ask you, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to understand the scripture as we turn to it, and that you'd help us to learn and do something about it this week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's almost Thanksgiving. Um, And I think that um, it is easy to say that giving thanks is important. Right? Giving thanks is important. Now, looking around the room, I know a lot of you personally pretty well. And so I know that there are some of us today that are tired. There are some of us today that are stressed. There are some of us today that are not feeling healthy. You ever notice that I ask for a witness and amen at odd times? Right? So I I know y'all. I know what's going on in your lives. Right? I read something really interesting uh, this past week as I noticed that in the past three years, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Jimmy's walking around the room with extra Bibles. He'll put one in your hand. I was doing some reading this week and I noticed some research and research that was assessing people's health and um, took a group of people that were feeling, um, you know, stressed a little bit. And they did this experiment, and here was the experiment. They weren't experimenting on their bodies or anything weird like that. What they did is they had each person sit down and write five things that they were thankful for once a week. And them sit down and write five things that they're thankful for once a week. And they did a full assessment of the people before they started, and then they did this for 10 weeks. Okay? I know, long time. 10 weeks, once a week, once a week, sit down, write five things that they were grateful for. And uh, how many weeks do we have from now till Christmas? Some of you are already thinking this way. The consensus is a few. So... um, Ten weeks would push you past New Year's. We'll just guess that. Um, At the end of the ten weeks, they did full assessment on the people as well. And here's what they found with an overwhelming majority. The people felt less stressed, more healthy, and more energetic than they did at the beginning of the ten weeks. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? So I I looked over the records in the last few years. I've not really done a traditional Thanksgiving sermon on the week of Thanksgiving. I have no idea why. And so today, uh, last Sunday, we talked about faith in the face of disappointment. Any of you went out and bought the book I recommended, Disappointment with God? Um, If you you weren't here last Sunday, I recommend you can listen to it on cbcbaltimore.com or on iTunes. Faith in, in the face of disappointment. Today, as faith has really been our theme in 2014, um, growing in faith, understanding faith, that's been our theme for this year. And the reality is that faith and joy are significant themes in Scripture. Last week we read a passage from Philippians, and joy is the word that is used most in Philippians, and it can seem confusing, even confounding, um, overwhelming to think about this principle of choosing joy but it is a theme in the scripture and it's an important theme and it talks about the benefits of it and the reality is is faith when i see what god sees and when i agree with what god says and then i act on it that faith produces joy 
And I'm not talking about a human emotion that fades. I'm not talking about a lighthearted feeling when you uh, are, you know, uh, sucking on helium or anything like that. I'm talking about a, a life change, something that guides you, something that guards you, something that sustains you. You know, you, Lisa and Eulalia's father, every time I, I talk with Mr. Bell, there's joy. There's a resolve for joy. And it was the same, it is the same with Eulalia as well, a joy, yeah. right? A presiding, an overwhelming, a life guarding, a life guiding joy. So if I choose to give thanks, faith produces joy. So I kind of gave us a little bit of a summary sentence here. The practice of giving thanks reminds us of all that is good and produces a focus on God. How many of you would like good in your life? Come on. This is an interactive church. Yes, right? We want good in our life. And a focus on God you know will help us. We've talked about this before. When I'm more focused on God than anything else in my life, there's a lift my life is on the way up. Things are better. Amen? Now, give thanks. Let's, let's just turn to Scripture. Can we turn to Scripture? Will you go into the fast food section of your Bible? The fast food section of your Bible that's in the middle. It starts with Psalms. Okay, let's go to Psalm. And let's go. It's page number um, 488 in my Bible. Psalm 100. 100. Psalm 100. Okay, Psalm 100. Are you there? Say, yeah, yeah. Come on, people. I heard some of you, you lay your service saying amen. I know you can do this. Come on now. Okay, Psalm 100. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and His faithfulness continues to each generation. Amen? God is good. Let's take a left-hand turn go to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. Reading from the New Living this morning. We're going to get, pick one verse from here, then we'll look at chapter 30, okay? Psalm 28 and verse 7. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. You see, remember, this is a person that is writing this um, under the inspiration of God, to be sure. But this is not a church, some human organization that's trying to dictate behavior. This is a person, a songwriter, writing a song under the inspiration of God. And we, yes, you, all are given an instruction, whether music is playing or not, whether the song is what we like or not, to burst forth, to sing, to shout. Why? 
Because God is good. Psalm 30. Psalm 30 verses 11 and 12. Same page for me. Are you there? Psalm 30, 11 through 12. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Often in the Psalms, if you pay attention, sometimes at the end, you will find after he sung the blues and described when things are bad, and then he describes that he is in God's presence or in the temple or in a place of worship, despite how his circumstances are, choosing to worship and sing praises. And then he will say a turn of phrase, something like, now it makes sense to me. Now I see. Now, yet I will worship the Lord. Yet God is good. A statement of change in the midst of difficult circumstances. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. There certainly is a time to grieve. And I mentioned last Sunday, we shouldn't shortchange grief or because we are Christians, pretend that it doesn't exist. We shouldn't sweep it under the carpet. We shouldn't short circuit the process because if we do, it will yet come around again and stronger. We should feel the pain. We are created in God's image. Loss was never his intent. We were created with Adam and Eve in the garden before sin entered the equation. Remember, what was a consequence of sin? Death. If not for sin, we are created for uninterrupted relationship. Relationships without disease, relationships without selfishness, relationships without backstabbing and gossip and hurt. We are created for uninterrupted fellowship. And so when our fellowship and our relationships are interrupted, it hurts. And our mourning is actually an echo of the praises of the angels because the angels themselves join with Jesus as he intercedes before the Father to set things right in this earth, to set right what is wrong. And a part of what is wrong on this earth is death. God allows it for a time. Can somebody say amen? God allows it for a time, yet a time will come when Jesus will return. We will, those who have passed, will be resurrected. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We will be in new bodies. There will be glorified, glorified bodies. There will be uninterrupted fellowship. Our grief is but echoing the prayer of Jesus, which is to say, God, the state of the earth, it should not be. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Even in grief, we can agree with our God who turns our mourning into dancing. Amen? Amen. So that was Psalm 30. Let's go Psalm 103. Back by where you were at Psalm 100. Psalm 103, and I want to read verses 1 through 5. Everybody doing okay? Okay. Psalm 103, I'm not going to have enough time for this message. Praise. All right, here we go. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. 
He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death, crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. And I believe that is a statement of what occurs as he gives God thanks. I want to bring your attention real quick to a contrast that are in these verses. Look at this. These verses contrast the state of who he was before Jesus, before salvation. Okay, before Jesus, before salvation, before forgiveness of sins. Jesus hasn't arrived yet. I don't want to confuse anyone. Okay. This is a contrast of the way that the state that he was in before God and the state that he is in in God. Okay, this is the contrast. I was sinful and now I'm forgiven. I was sick and now I'm healed. I was doomed and now I am redeemed. I was, I was ashamed and now I am crowned. I was dissatisfied and now I am satisfied. I was decaying and now I am renewed. Spending time with the scriptures to look, examine, think, write will help you pull out principles that apply in your life and give you a, a time to share a part of your story here in church on Sundays in part so that we can get to know each other better, but also in part so that you can learn how to tell your story to other people so that we can be constantly being prepared and how to talk about God's goodness when we're around people that do not yet know him. Did you catch that? We should exercise this idea of describing this is what I, I was or would be like without Jesus. This is what I am or what I will be like with Jesus. Amen? There's a contrast there. Now, we read it last week. I want to read it again. Can we turn to the right to Philippians? Can we turn to Philippians? Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, and again, Paul is writing to people that he knows. Paul is writing to believers, many of which he led to Jesus. Paul is writing to the believers in the city where he and Silas were wrongfully beaten with rods and thrown into jail. There was an opportunity for them to make a decision of what to do. And this is the city where Paul and Silas chose to sing praises to God in the middle of the night, despite the fact that they'd just been wrongfully beaten with rods and thrown into jail. It even says the dark inner cell, not even a room with a view, not even a room with a window. They choose to sing praises to God. There's an earthquake and they are in their cell and they can hear the jailer, the warden of the jail, draw his sword to kill himself. And Paul says, wait, We're still here and leads them to Jesus. This is that church, that city, where joy was something that was a part of the conversation of how the church started. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone you see, uh, excuse me, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, some of you may be um, more familiar with the older translations of the Bible that said, Rejoice, right? And be anxious for nothing but in all things, right? Prayer and supplications. Make your requests be made known for God, right? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And then the joy, right? Which, the excuse me, then the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts. So this, this principle, which I brought up last week, I want to bring up again, is an important go-to. If, if, you, are, if you learn how to do this in your life, you will know that you're learning Scripture. Learning Scripture is not about memorizing knowledge. It's not about trivia. Uh, my kids and I, um, real quick sidebar, we took the kids to see a movie yesterday, which we haven't done for a long time. We haven't done for a while. Um, we're not against movies. We, but anyway, we took them to see a movie, and then we went to this little burger place by the theater, and um, they only had it in 3D here, and Charlotte can't stand 3D. So, so we're sitting down, and then all these uh, bikers come in with black leather jackets, uh, but they happen to be Christian bikers with the scripture verse on. And so the kids and I were having some fun conversations. And, and they, they, I'm sure they're sweet, wonderful, mature brothers in Christ. But there was a lot of Bible trivia being thrown around. I just, and which, is, which can be fun. Uh, but I just want to make sure we understand, knowing Bible trivia does not equate to maturity. Knowing Bible, and I don't, I'm not saying that they thought this, okay, hear, hear me out. But knowing Scripture, being able to quote Scripture, does not mean that you're using it, does not mean that you're growing stronger, does not mean you're applying it, does not mean that it is a tool in your hand, a light unto your feet, okay? Whether you can take, even, and, and some, I've heard before, Pastor Ben, your messages are simple. Well, well yeah, um, I've got a degree, but I'm simple. But here's what I find. When, I, when, when I'm asked to get elbow deep into people's lives, what I find consistently is that there are simple principles that are not being used. They may have been, you may spend years in church, decades even in church, and hearing the Bible and singing songs, but not actually taking even short, simple phrases and putting them to work. You hear what I'm saying? Did that come across heavy? Okay, what I'm talking about is you take a phrase and you work it. If you work it, it works. If you use it, it works. The Bible says that God's word will not return to him void. It is true. I adhere to the classic Christian doctrine of sola scripta. There is no other writing that we have access to that is more prominent, more important than the scripture. Okay, God's word is true. So what does he say? Now remember... This is to his friends. And this is separate from other conversations that he would have had about this one losing a loved one or that one losing their house to an earthquake, which happened to them, or this one losing their business because a war came through and that happened. This would be separate from those individual conversations. But as a general principle in life, he writes, be full of joy, don't worry, but pray about everything. Take everything to God. How you feel, how you think, everything. Take everything to God. Now, here, this is an important part for being thankful because I think sometimes we could take a Thanksgiving message and like, oh, that was cute. Just give thanks and you'll feel better. Well, 
Come on, let's not be cheap. This isn't popcorn, cotton candy time. No, this is real life stuff, right? Here's a practice that works. Choose to not worry. Choose to pray and take it to God. And then choose to fix your thoughts on the good things about God. Okay? I need to make a decision. And there, I woke up this morning in pain. I'm not trying to complain. I'm fine. Okay? But I woke up this morning in pain. I could have focused on my pain. And if I would have, I probably would have stayed in bed and called in another prescription. Okay? And I know there are those of you in this room that also deal with chronic pain. I could focus on that, but I didn't. I started with, okay, (laughs) I wish this wasn't happening to me. God, in whatever state I'm in, you are good. And then I worked the principle. Okay? I had the car door shut on my foot yesterday. My knee did something kind of weird. I could worry about that. But instead, the scripture says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And that's what I did. And then I fixed my thoughts on what is good that I know is good. And then I put into practice. He says, put into practice. And yesterday, um, and in a, a post online, I talked a little bit about the things that Jesus had taught and Paul had taught that he was referring to that they should put into practice. Repent of your sin follow Jesus, come together as a church in homes, in big gatherings, small gatherings, repent of your sins, be water baptized, right? These, all these things, but following Jesus every day, loving God with all you've got and loving other people. That was basically it. That was basic. That's what Jesus said was the most important. So if I fix my thoughts, if I focus my attention, God is good. And so I'm going to follow Jesus every day, love him with all I've got, even in the face of difficulty, disappointment. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to love him with all I've got, and I'm going to love other people. If I can put that into practice, then what happens as a result? The God of peace will be with you. So what is the result, right? I get this supernatural, which means beyond my own ability, right? A supernatural joy, a peace of faith. Joy, from the literal translation of what Paul is writing about in this word, the word he uses most in the letter of Philippians, joy or rejoice 18 times, and then mind, he's really talking about choosing joy with your mind in this letter. Mind is used 11 times. In this translation of joy, what he's really talking about is a state of being that guards our hearts and guards our lives in Jesus. I can't remove the in Jesus, that's the context. Okay? So what happens as a result when I put that into practice is I get this peace even when I can't understand it. I get this peace that guards my life, that guides my life, guards my heart, right? Now, what can you do? I'm so glad you asked. Here's what you can do this week, okay? Pastor Ben, you're giving us homework on the week of a holiday. I hate you. It's okay. I love you. I love you. I want you to be able to do something. Don't you want to do something? It's okay if you said no. Here's my suggestion. Okay? At least once this week, take time. I know I lost some of you right there. Take time. Take time to think. This doesn't work without you carving out time. Maybe I'm just slow. Maybe I need more time than other people. But in my life, it doesn't work without me carving out time. 
the quality of time that you give will dictate the quality of thought that's going to go into it, which will also dictate your results. I've got to take time to really give this thought, strategic thought, to think about what is good. And you can have different categories, and I should write lists, okay? Five things. Five things. So you could write a list of five things that you're thankful for about God. That, that should be relatively easy after this morning. Okay? You could take five things to write that you are thankful about somebody else that's in this room. You could write a list of five things that are silly. I like to do that. That also helps me. I have a sense of humor and you get my serious side on Sundays, but my kids know that I'm pretty silly. I like pumpkin pie. I really like pumpkin pie. I like apple pie. Rebecca makes a nine-pound apple pie. Look out. It is a miracle I'm not 400 pounds. I like pumpkin pie. I like apple pie. I like football. All right? I know, right? I like music, right? And I like podcasts, free audio I can listen to while I'm doing my physical therapy exercises. And those aren't even the silliest things on my list. I write a silly list. God gave you a sense of humor for a reason. Okay? Write a, write a God list. Write a people list. Write a silly list. Write a list of five things that you're grateful for. Write one list with five with the different categories. I don't care. But write a list of what you're grateful for. Okay? Thank God. There are many ways to thank God. One is with your actions. And I'm preaching to the choir here because I, many of you are here this morning because you're thanking God with your actions. You're choosing to set aside the first part of your week to give God your best, right? So thanking God with your actions is a good thing to do. Being a part of the uh, affordable Christmas market, giving toys away is another thing you can do. You can thank God with your actions. With actions, it's why we fast and pray. We show God and the world and ourselves what is most important in our lives. You can thank God with actions. You can thank God with your words. Write your list and then tell God. Say it out loud. Tell God. And then the the last point here, tell someone else. Now, we have like completely lost the ability to write a thank you card and put it in the mail. You know what I'm saying? Right? That's like, holy cow, thank you cards, right? Um, Emails. I'm so grateful. Some of you have been bringing us food. Oh my gosh, I am so thankful for that. Um, poor Rebecca, um, you know, I'm, thankfully I can work seated. And so I'm st- I may have worked too many hours last week, I'm not sure. So it's not like we've lost that. But what we've lost is my ability to take care of myself and my ability to take care of the family and do my normal chores. So poor Rebecca is running around losing hair probably um, with trying to do all this stuff. And some of you have been bringing us food. And I just, uh, I'm so thankful It means the world to me. I could not eat for a while. I do that. But what it means to Rebecca and what it means to the kids, it shows them that we're loved and appreciated. And it's like, I watch their emotional reactions and it just like, it makes me happy all over. And, and, And the fact that it's less stress and less work for her, I mean, thank you. Thank every one of you that has, has brought us food. I'm not trying to get more. I'm trying to say thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been wonderful. Thankfully, this next weekend, I can put my foot on the ground and stand again. So, you know, we're getting better. 
But tell someone else. I'd, so I've sent thank you emails. I didn't mail cards. I'm a little bit of a hypocrite there talking about thank you cards. But you can also send a text. You can also call someone. You can tell them face to face. Tell someone that you're thankful about them. Right? Some, we have people in this church that come and go move out of state for jobs and whatnot. Don't wait till someone moves out of state for a job to thank them for the, what you appreciate about them. Right? Tell someone else what you're grateful for. There's a power in gratitude. You turn your satitude to gratitude. There's a power. I know that'll be the one thing Naya remembers tomorrow. There's a power. There's a change that happens inside you, and it's not pop psychology. It's Bible. It's the way God wired you. There's a power when in the face of difficult circumstances, you choose to fix your mind on what is good, focus on that, put it into practice. Give thanks, right? Give thanks. When I give thanks, faith produces joy. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer.